Destination Morocco is excited to announce our new supporters platform where you can show your support for the podcast. Since early 2022, we have delighted in sharing with you the best of Morocco. Great travel advice, cultural insights, conversations with fellow travelers, and our own personal recommendations drawn from a lifetime of experiences. After all, we are proudly Moroccan-owned and operated with the mission to be genuine and trustworthy leaders in Moroccan tourism. Now, you can contribute directly to the podcast and help us continue this mission. Whether five, eight, or ten dollars, a one-time or a monthly commitment, your support is greatly appreciated and keeps the podcast going strong. Follow the link in the podcast show notes or go to coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com and simply search for the word Morocco. See you there. The feeling inside me started to feel like this is not my place. I have to do something. And then I had the reason that it's my future baby. I just feel like I'm very soon going to be responsible about another life. So let's do something, trying to make life better. Welcome to the Destination Morocco podcast, the show that takes you away to the beautiful country of Morocco. I am your host, Azadine El Mustakim. In each episode, we explore Moroccan culture, history, attractions, and activities, real and practical information coming from experienced travelers and native Moroccans like myself. Our goal is to help travelers that are struggling with planning any type of trip to Morocco. Our company, Destination Morocco, builds personalized tour packages that will ensure you enjoy our country just like a local. Follow us at destinationmorocco.co. And now, let's go exploring. Welcome to Destination Morocco podcast. In this episode, we have a Hanna tattoo artist all the way from Marrakesh. Her name is Siham Issahiri. She's here to talk about her business, Hanna Tattooing, and share her experiences with the audience. Siham, welcome to Destination Morocco podcast. Hello, everyone. So happy to be here with you today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. You're very welcome. Very welcome. I do have a lot of questions and I'm so, so excited by this episode and I've been actually looking forward for quite some time. So Siham, we've talked to you and I for a long, long time and I know your story. It is fascinating. It is beautiful. It's amazing. It is really, really incredible. Tell us about yourself, who you are, your background and also what you do, please. Well, I'm Siham. My last name is Isahiri. A lot of people don't know, maybe including you, you just knew today. <laughs> so uh, a lot of uh, people know only my name, like Siham, and my business name. I was born in a small village nearby Marrakesh. I have four sisters. Actually, we were five sisters with no boys. So I grew up in the farm, peace place, calm, uh, no internet, no entertainment, just with, you know, animals, natural, and so on. That's what allowed me to have the opportunity to create my own entertainment. Henna was actually from my first favorite stuff. I was actually like kind of playing with 
because I got henna almost every day from my grandmother's face because she was dyeing her white hair using henna. So uh, I had it every day, almost every day at home. Of course, they didn't have the tools, but I created also my own tools to apply and to try to apply. Of course, I wasn't very good. I was just a kid playing, but I, I tried to do like swirls and uh, some shapes on my skin. And uh, I just felt very early age that I am like loving this thing, right? So uh, I started awesome. to do it a bit more than my sisters, for example, did. I started to practice a little bit more and more on my hand sister. As I said, they are four, so I had plenty of <laughs> plenty of victims. <laughs> of course, it took so many years to improve, to be good enough to do it for like a neighbor or my mom or whatever. So uh, the story started like this. And then, well, uh, I was in the village until high school. And then as a lot of girls in the village, I got married. So, of course, as a girl in that generation, it was super hard to be able to move to the city or live alone, like to go to university or whatever. So high school was the last thing you can do there. Of course, there is no job, even even like the market, even the weekly market we had in the village, we weren't as girls allowed to do or to go there, you know. Almost of my friends, like girls that were at school, they couldn't even go to high school. So for me... I was oh, wow. even lucky because we were only in total only three girls that went to high school because it was about 10 kilometers away from our small, small village to go to the central big village where the high school was. Oh, wow. So it was quite challenging. It was like six years that I was biking 10 kilometers every day, four times per day uh, oh, to get to goodness. school. Wow. So this was very challenging. But uh, I mean, I, I've been very good student and a hard worker. I was smart enough to do it, and uh, I really believed what I want. I believe there must be a better life. There must be, like, a more interesting life, uh, more than I see here. For me and for my other sisters, as well as all our friends at school, the life or the world, let's say the world, was the village, was our friends at school, was our teachers, and it was the education that we were getting at school. We didn't know any other information, right? But I always had the feeling that there must be another world outside, right? <laughs> and there must be something more interesting. So, I mean, I was thinking this way a lot. And then in my 18th, as I told you, was high school. Of course, nothing to do more. <laughs> this is the last thing I can do. And then as a lot of girls, just a arranged marriage. But this one was actually from a family that lives in the city of Marrakesh. So his mom came like to ask my mom if <laughs> traditional weight that she wants her son to get married me. So he never saw me. He never chose me. She oh, wow. chose me for him. She saw me somewhere oh. in a wedding. Well, it's still happening until now, but very few comparing with the past. So mostly oh, it's the sure. mom who the mom is the one in charge of choosing the future wife for her son. So that's what happened with me. For me, I didn't really even understand what is marriage, what is a responsibility, what is a life, what is, you understand? Yeah, yeah. For all my thoughts, it was focusing on the go to the city, right, to Marrakesh, to be out of the village, because I knew after high school, it's going to be home, you know, the farm. So I did, and then very fast, I got pregnant at the age of almost 19, which is very early, oh, wow. <laughs> unexpected also. 
a few months later started to discover that the life there is not the best. I'm in a wrong family. They were not treating me good. Uh, very like non-responsible husband was always absent. So I just realized that I'm there to cook and clean for everybody in this big family. Oh, wow. uh, I was like a kind of a slave. I couldn't go out. It was even worse than the village because at least in the village, I could um, go to the farm, play with animals, do things in the nature. I am in Marrakesh, in the city, inside the house, never allowed to go even out. So it was worse. And then again, the feeling inside me started to feel like this is not my place. I have to do something. And then I had the reason that it's my future baby. I just feel like I'm very soon going to be responsible about another life. So let's yeah, do something, yeah. trying to make life better. I didn't want to raise my child in this family. So I was trying to make a lot of solutions. It was very challenging. Now I'm just uh, deciding like, to write my story in a book later. I'm going to share with you. But at the end of the story, I ended up by getting divorced. It's not easy. Definitely divorce is not easy in Morocco, especially for a woman. For a woman that she's making the decision to do it, it's not as easy as a man when he does. So everyone was and everything was against me. Whatever law, my family. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. I mean, everyone, society as well. It's always blaming women, 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 okay? It didn't work well. She's not good. You understand? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yes, unfortunately. So it was, it was super hard, but I just decided to don't care about anything. I closed my ears and then I just tried to make it by myself because I didn't want to get back to my family's house, which is supposed to be the normal, right? The normal is that a Moroccan girl is at her parents' house when she's not married, of course. If she got married, her husband's house. If in case, the worst case, of course, get divorced, she will have to come back to the that's what I also refused. I didn't want to come back to the zero, so I tried it by myself. I worked for my first career as an educator, as a teacher for preschool. And this was in purpose because I was thinking about any job where I can leave my kids with. In the meantime, I actually was trying to make the life continue, I mean, between me and my ex-husband. Because, of course, I had my kid. I didn't want to raise her with no father. Of course, this is not an easy uh, yeah. decision. Definitely not. So I stayed for almost three years trying to make it work. Uh -huh. But it didn't. At the end of the story, uh, we ended up by really feeling like this is not going to work. It became like a toxic atmosphere to raise a child. So I made my decision. And then, okay, my ex-husband was super smart. He <laughs> wanted to get divorced, but in Moroccan law, the law at that point, if as a woman I got divorced, then I automatically lose all my rights from him. So he's not going to pay nothing. So basically what you're saying is when you file for divorce as a woman in Morocco, you don't get support from your husband in terms of child support. Not in terms of child support. I'm talking about my right as an ex-wife for a couple of years. I see. For his child, definitely something has to do, depending on his income. And that's what happened at the end of the story. It was almost a year process. And then it ended up by me asking about divorce because he didn't. Even he wanted, but he didn't. Of course, to don't pay extra money for me, I accepted was more important to live in a safe and calm atmosphere for my kid. Absolutely, yeah. So in the court, mm, of wow. course, they asked him to pay a sum of money for his daughter for per months and see her once per week. 
which never happened until now, <laughs> which is more than 10 years ago. He never done this or even seen her or helped her with anything, which is funny. So there is law, but there is no follow-up. That's what I'm trying to explain. Well, it happened. I got divorced. I ended up with my kid, Melek, her name. She was almost five. Later, I was a coordinator of volunteers manager and also an educator advisor. So I worked with those volunteers in different schools in the city and also in a lot of villages around Marrakesh, in Atlas Mountains and around. Teaching languages, doing a lot of programs and workshops, educational and, you know, playing, singing, a lot of nice stuff. Then I just decided that I will have to stop my work for education and change it with something else that will allow me to be more free for my kid help her to get to school, make lunch for her, for lunchtime, etc. <laughs> so at this point, I started to think, what can I do as a job that will allow me to have some income to live and raise my kids and also be free and control my timing according to hers. So I ended up by becoming a self-employed entrepreneur. I work for a lot of different activities for tourism. I started to do hosting, to do a couple of activities, such as cooking classes that I organize until now. I also can organize a lot of excursions and tours around Marrakesh activities. And then, of course, my highlights was always since my childhood, you already hear that, uh, it was henna artwork. So my next question for you is the henna tattoos you create and the designs, what inspires you? Where do you get your inspiration? I am a big lover of Moroccan architecture, style, arts. You would see a lot of intricate designs around on the wooden door, on the tiles, whatever. Those are all the big or maybe the first inspirations for me. I love those. And then, of course, sometimes it's also people's interest. I would ask people, what is your interest? Or when you were around the market, did you or have you seen any design that you're still thinking about to make your tattoo like personalized? So a couple of them will show me something or ask me, oh, I saw this design. Does it mean something? You know, so we start to together create their own henna design. Yeah. Oh, wow. Can you tell us, is there a difference between the old henna tattoos and the new henna? Because for me, I remember growing up how the henna, you know, tattooing or artistry was, and now it's completely different. Can you tell us that transition and change, please? Escape to the exotic beauty of Morocco with our exclusive small group tours. Experience intimate group sizes that ensure personalized attention and unforgettable adventures. From the enchanting streets of Marrakesh to the serene beauty of the Sahara Desert. Forge friendships that last a lifetime while immersing yourself in Morocco's rich culture, vibrant traditions, and warm hospitality. Book your small group tour with Destination Morocco today. Experience the intimacy of a private tour at an affordable price. Go to our website, destinationsmorocco.com, that's destinations with an S, morocco.com, and reserve your spot today. Yes, definitely. 
well, henna or Moroccan people have been using henna for centuries, right? It was first to dye their hair, fingernails, as well as fabric. That was before start to decorate the skin with designs and patterns for special occasions. The designs were itself very simple because the tools wasn't very advanced, like we can find now, like a cone or a syringe that make very thin and fine lines that allow you to draw a more detailed designs, right? So mostly they were just using the top of their fingers to do any very, very, very simple designs. But the point was to have the henna, or the color of the henna on the skin, right? Especially for these special occasions, because having a design and pattern with henna onto the skin, it was meant to bring the good luck, the protection and the blessings for people wearing them. So this was very important that people didn't really care about the beautiful designs as much as they cared about having the henna. That makes sense. Now, you know, when we say henna in Morocco, it's different than when people say henna in the U.S. You know, there's different types of henna. They say tattooing, but I know it's not a tattoo. So I remember when I was a kid, in our garden, a lot of houses, most of the houses, they have a small garden. In our case, we had a small tree for henna. Henna is actually a tree. It is actually a plant. But the way that I, I have seen my mom, my aunts, my sisters, my cousins make it, it's really, really intriguing process. Can you tell us a little bit of a background, if you would, a little bit of history behind the henna in Morocco? The significance of the henna tattooing or henna artistry when it comes to Moroccan women. Well, as you said, henna is a plant. That's actually the first question I ask on every guest I've met. Do you know what is henna? So 90% of them mostly, they don't know. They're thinking it's painting. So henna is not painting. Yeah. It's a flowering plant. So henna or lausonia is a flowering plant that grows 12 to 15 feet, as you say, high in dry and hot climate. So in Morocco, we threw it a lot through the Atlas Mountains. A lot of families actually planted in their courtyard as your family did. And this because it was a very principal product for Moroccan beauty, like as a cosmetic product. You know already about the hammam, right? So uh, we use yes. it as cream for our bodies just before it to get in the scrub. In the hammam, it keeps the skin very like soft and good and smelling very good too. So it's very useful in many, many other cosmetic reasons besides doing the tattoos. Henna is something that accompany Moroccan females or women since they are born. Because we do the henna for the new baby girl, new baby born in only the third day. So when a girl was born, the third day she's going to get her henna done for the first time in her life ever with a small circle inside the palm of the right hand. As I said, it's meant to bring good luck for her for life, yeah. protection and blessings for her. For all special occasions, we're going to do henna for holidays, religious holidays. When we have like a party, a wedding, when we are invited, we're going to do henna. And then when the girl turns to the 11, 12, when she's able to do Ramadan fasting for the first time in life, or let's say even can be before. So let's say when the first day that she's trying to fast and can make it until sunset, yeah. her family is going to celebrate her in a very beautiful way, dressing up with nice Moroccan kaftans. It's a beautiful event. And I know that people do it different 
whether they are in Marrakesh, for example, in Sawar and Fas. Can you tell us, just expand a little bit on that when it comes to ghosts? I know exactly what you're saying, but I just want the audience to know, even in Morocco, the culture is different and it varies from city to city. So if you can tell us a little bit more about the girls, if it's the first time they try to fast the whole day of Ramadan, sometimes the first time they do half a day, but when they do the full day, they get rewarded for it. Please walk us through that process, Siam. Yeah, yeah, it's actually definitely worth it for. Uh, we, we really, I, I uh, personally got it and I feel like, wow, I did something extraordinary that I fasted all the day. So for my family, knew that I, I can be very patient. I can stay all the day with not eating and drinking. That was like a very challenging, of course, in this age. But I was extremely happy with the uh, party they did for me, of course, uh, and the beautiful dress. And uh, I don't know what, what about fest, but in Marrakesh, in my village, we got to drink the first thing after breaking fast is milk. And it wasn't in a glass. It was in an empty snail. <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to your village. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's clean, right? So whenever you eat snails know, in the square, right? <laughs> you have that uh, caracas, you know, that. So it's a clean, but I don't know what's the point, honestly, that they use that. But the first drop of milk you're going to break fast with is going to be using that. So I got that and of course all my family was so happy that I made it and then definitely after breaking fast I got some henna done from my grandmother and she was very happy that I did it. Henna is very very important and present in every happy occasion including engagements. Yeah. So the future bride is going to get some henna done on the hands for this occasion but mostly she's getting it before the party. And then, of course, the following occasion is going to be the weddings. <laughs> the weddings day is, I think, something that's very famous in the world right now. A lot of people yeah. even try and decide to come to Morocco to celebrate their weddings in our way because it's very special and nice. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We did a, an episode about wedding, the culture, and uh, Ngafa, which is the dresser, if you would, for the bride. We talked about Hanna and the culture and tradition a little bit, but the funny thing, the girl, her name is Siham as well. So, but it's uh, ah, cool. she's also from Marrakesh. So, so nice. it's it's kind of really neat. So, I know when it comes to Hanna in Morocco, it's a serious matter, and the significance of Hanna we cannot really stress enough. It's really, really, really important in our culture, in the Berber culture, but also in Moroccan culture as well. The Hanna party, it may be the biggest and the most important Hanna celebration. It's important for every girl in Morocco that even all little girls dream about the day that they're going to get their henna party for their wedding, okay? Yes. So it's a night, it's a mostly a girly uh, party, a girly night. Yeah, it's the equivalent to the bachelorette party in the U.S. So just to exactly. give people a perspective, can you tell us a little bit more, please, if you can expand on that, Sihan? Yeah, sure. So henna party is a henna uh, night that takes place mostly one or two days before the wedding day. It's a night filled of music, food, dancing. It's a girly night, so mostly the bride is going to be surrounded by her female friends, neighbors, and family. Only no men. And then everybody is going to get some henna done. The bride is going to get the most and biggest intricate designs. On hands, both sides, covered with henna, almost sometimes into the elbows. Oh, wow. And then the feet. 
feet covered with henna and the bottom of the foot, this is going to be for the first time in life because only married women in Morocco can do henna on the bottom of the foot. I did not know that. Yeah, definitely. Mm. It is a sign of a married woman in Morocco, the henna on the feet, especially the bottom of the feet. Before, it was a way for women to organize the non-married girls in uh, gathering, in parties, in weddings. So, as I mentioned before, always women or mothers are in charge yes. of choosing the future wife for their uh, son. So, always the celebrations and uh, weddings was a good occasion to organize those girls who's married and who's not. So, to choose and to pick, right? <laughs> mm. It's a very uh, a big part of Moroccan traditions, making you feeling like that good energy in you and the beauty and the joy of life. Henna, it's actually more than a, a cosmetic product. Henna is also an art form of self-expression. Yes. So the next question that I have for you, this is really, really fascinating, uh, Siham. Can you walk us through the process of you creating henna experience for one of your guests from getting the henna prepared, getting that paste ready, getting everything ready, and then applying it. And then when you're applying it and you're done with it, how long does it really take to dry? Would you recommend for somebody to do their hands and feet if they're really active and if they don't have a lot of time in Marrakesh? What are your recommendations, please? Close your eyes and imagine the warm desert breeze kissing your skin as you wander through the narrow streets of Marrakesh. Feel the excitement as you lose yourself to the vibrant colors of the souks, where every corner holds a treasure waiting to be discovered. Experience the thrill of adventure as you traverse the majestic Sahara Desert on Camelback, with nothing but endless dunes stretching before you. Experience Morocco. Feel alive. Get 15% off all small group tours. Visit our website, destinationsmorocco.com. That's destinations with an S, morocco.com. Use the word 15 as a discount code at checkout and reserve your spot today. The process of henna making, it's an art form in itself, actually, that starts by grinding the dry henna leaves into a very fine powder. And then we mix it with lemon juice and some essential oils to uh, create a thick paste. Later, we apply it on the skin, making designs and patterns. That takes a few minutes to dry, depending on the temperature of the room. A heater is always recommended, and that's what I use for my guests to dry their henna uh, as fast as we can. I see. If it's getting cold in the room, it's going to take sometimes into an hour, but with the heater, it's going to be 10 minutes to 15 minutes max, and then it's dry. When it's dry, we're okay, we're comfortable to move and walk. But it's always better to keep it on the skin, even when it dries, because your skin is always absorbing better and better color. The henna paste I talked about, it's always recommended to keep it to marinate for a couple of hours before okay. applying it on the skin. It definitely gives a better color. So basically, for each experience, you create that paste fresh. Definitely, yes. 
So a natural henna paste, you cannot keep for more than 24 hours. 24 hours, it's going to lose the color in it because we don't use any preserved products in it. Any pre-made henna paste you can buy from any shop mm. that lasts for um, days or months and you can keep in the fridge. It's not 100% natural. So this is definitely having a lot of chemical stuff that can make it last longer. But for a nature one, it's going to last for, as I said, a 24 hours maximum. I see. So for my experience, we always make the henna paste together with the guests. Or if they are coming just to do the henna design or the henna tattoo, I prepare it mm. in advance oh. a little bit before. Yeah, That makes sense. Now, let's say you have somebody but they don't really have enough time to sit with you and you doing the henna for them. Can you just sell them the henna and they apply it into the, you know, when they get to their house or can you show them how to do it? Sure. Well, let me explain about my experience. So now I'm offering uh, different experiences. The standard one is to learn about the art of Moroccan henna. So after uh, learning all about the art, the plant itself, the process of making and all this, the tradition and the history, we learn how to make our own natural henna paste. And since they cannot buy it from me and bring it back home, they can buy the ingredients and make it their own back home. I see. So people can learn all skills needed to make their own paste and be their own henna artist. So they even learn some techniques to apply it on the skin and get some tools to do that. Oh, nice. And what type of materials do you use when creating henna tattoos for your guests? Let's say, you know, they decided they're going to get this. Do you give them everything during the class, the first class when you introduce them to the henna, the tradition, the culture? Or do they have to buy those equipments themselves? I always have extra tools and equipments available. If they want to get it from me, then I give them also some tips how to choose the best quality of powder and whatever. Nice. Mostly in India, for example, henna artists use cones, something like a pen. But in Morocco, it's very known that we use the syringe. That a lot of people, when they see, they think it's like the same syringe that the doctor used for medication, but it's not. This is a syringe mm. oh, typically and uh, especially for henna that we use to make very fine lines. And it has needles with different uh, measures that makes the thicknesses of the lines be different according to the design. So that's what I use. Oh, I see. So I, I just assumed that you get it at the pharmacy or somewhere. But where do you actually get those syringes? They're available in the markets in plastic. These are like the standard one. For beginners, it's quite recommended. It's very easy to use. It's not expensive. You can buy in every store around the market in Marrakesh or even in all Morocco. The more professional syringes that I work with are glass, glass syringes. They are heavy, but they are definitely more practical because, as I said, they, they allow you to control the thicknesses of the, your lines so with different needles, as mm. well as they are very soft from the top. So they are not going to hurt your finger if you're working all the day, pushing, pushing. Mm. The plastic ones are good to learn on because they're easy and simple to use, but they're going to make your finger a bit tired faster than the glass uh, ones do. Oh, well, 
that makes sense. A lot of this information I know, Hannah, but the technicalities of it, everything that you have explained, most of it is really new to me. So I know nowadays, especially in the US, and I know it's the same thing in, in different countries, people can YouTube learning about the process, may not even think about learning the process. But if I go on Amazon, I see the Hannah and I see that, you know, it's got the fingers, it's got the feet, and I can just, you know, like a little sticker or whatever into my hand, mm -hmm. apply it, and then a few minutes later, I peel it off and then I have Hannah tattoos. Well, this is very smart. <laughs> People, when they don't have uh, opportunity to have a henna artist or no time or whatever, they're going to use this even in Morocco. So I would just say that simply the difference is that to use a sticker, first of all, it's a risk that if it's not a good quality and good glue to glue on the skin, if you lift by accident in free space, then the henna is going to get under and then it's going to be a mask. You ended oh, up by dyeing your, your skin, not having it to do. This is first risk. Oh, wow. Second risk is that these stickers are standard. So whatever the form and the shape and the size of your hand or foot. Oh, I got you. You're going to have the same design that sometimes doesn't fit you. And then it doesn't look very like personalized to your hand shape and size. Plus, of course, that the creation, right? It's not like having an artist. I knew, uh, sadly, that a couple of people have been uh, meeting the wrong people that they're calling them henna artists. I'm sorry that they also exist, but we have to be careful. Okay, I completely understand what you're saying. And I asked this, I kind of veered off the subject, but I wanted to ask it because I see this happening quite a bit. Now, last season, season one, we talked about scams in Marrakesh. As I'm talking to you, you're in Marrakesh right now. You're in our office in Marrakesh, and thank you. We talked about scams, and one of the most popular scams is a Hanata to scam in Jamalfna. And I know sometimes that lady, I called her, I remember, I called her a ninja. You know, she see you pass by, she will follow you, she will spray you with that syringe and then make you pay whatever it is, a dollar, two dollars afterwards. So can you tell us some of... The most popular scams when it comes to henna. I know I have tons of stories to tell, but I want to hear it from an artist just like you. You asked me about something that it made me feel very sad, mad and angry sometimes because henna art in Morocco is very amazing art that reflects a big or the huge heritage of Moroccan culture and tradition. So people like these examples, for example, in the square, they are just showing this art or producing this art in a way that just give a very bad image about it for people that don't know about it. So that's what makes me feel very angry. Uh, as a henna artist and as a host, I'm meeting hundreds of people <laughs> every year. Tens of them would come to me with a very ugly tattoos on the hand mm. oh, wow. that they got in the square and that they didn't even choose to have or even ask for. Oh, wow. The same way you just talked about henna artists. Some of them are women. Some of them are men. This may be that you also don't know. Some of them are men. They are all actually hiding their faces. So you never know their faces or their sex, right? Oh, wow. I had no idea. There is men hmm. too there. <laughs> Most of them are not artists. They are just doing whatever, asking about money, yeah. overpriced, sometimes even dangerous products. Uh, they are not using henna. I spoke already about the process of henna paste making. Uh, we cannot easily make a henna paste in the square. It's a process. Uh, so they're using a pre-made henna for people. 
in different colors, including black, whatever, brown, or whatever color is, which is definitely not henna, it's painting. Some of it is good quality, but if we're talking about getting a tattoo in the street, we never expect using a good quality product. So For please sure. be careful. Yeah, I totally agree because I've seen some cases that are really, really terrible in terms of hands being infected, in terms of blisters and fingers, and it's really painful. So I definitely am going to, we're going to do another episode about scams. The process of henna itself is not dangerous. It's not toxic. The, you will never get an allergy from nature henna. Never. We're applying it for pregnant women. We're applying it for babies just born, new baby born. Never had any reactions. So whenever you have a skin reaction, be sure that the product was not henna. Or not only henna, because sometimes you're using henna with, with chemical products. Yeah. So um, the next question that I have for you, Siham, is can you tell us some of your favorite stories about your guests? I know uh, Ted, who's the producer, he just concluded his tour with his family to Morocco. I know one of his last stops before he went back to Portugal is you. He came to see you and we send you as many guests as we can. And by the way, they love you. They're extremely happy with you, whether it's Dr. Patel, whether it's, you know, Rachel, Everybody that we have sent you, they have left with a lot of memories that they cherish for the rest of their lives. You know, months ago, we had an event we planned with you in Agafai Desert with Dan and Sierra. And Dan and Sierra, they, they have a ranch in Utah. They are super busy. I cleaned up some pictures and I sent it to them. And we made a little video of that day and I sent it to them. And it made such a huge difference. They were so thrilled and so happy. It's like, you know, we're just walking back in time and seeing these pictures. And I know Ted traveled with his kids. This is his first time in Morocco. I know it's not going to be the last time. He did the north side of Morocco. We'll talk about it. And eventually he will come back and do the south. I was supposed to be there with him, but unfortunately I couldn't make it. So back to the question, please tell us those stories. Sure, sure. I would definitely start by your dear guests. Your guests are always a very special guest. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice people that I will also never forget. Whatever that we celebrate the henna in Agafa or in my house, as it happened with Ted and his lovely family, the, the very cute uh, two kids that uh, at the beginning they were a bit yeah. nervous and they didn't know should they get it or not. They didn't know how it feels like. They were like a bit afraid. And then especially after seeing my syringe, they, they were a bit scared. So I saw this in their eyes and then I kept like saying, you know, I will never touch your skin. It's just to make lines. But well, they tried to understand, but they never believed. So they asked their mom. They were so cute, but they asked their mom to go first. So they make sure it doesn't hurt. <laughs> That was very cute. And then when I just did their mom, they just started to get closer and observe the thing. And then they started to love the design. And then a few minutes later, they started to like fight each other who's going next. So they very quickly trusted and it was very, very cool. That is so, so yeah, we had a very good moment. We laughed a lot. It was very amazing. They are very, very good people. I got also some picture from his wife. Thanks so much for her. And uh, speaking about the nice stories, the most cute one that I had at one time, uh, a woman. She's a British woman and she was pregnant. And then oh, wow. she wanted to get some henna done on, the, uh, on her belly. Pregnant belly, uh, belly. Oh, wow. yes. So we did a very beautiful design on her pregnant belly. And then 
It was funny because a couple of minutes we had to stop because the baby was kicking was at me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he was like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So this was, was from the funniest moment for me doing henna. And definitely, I don't forget to talk about a couple of people. There are almost like four or five people that made their henna tattoos that they got from me permanently later back home, which was oh, wow. made me feel very special, especially the big designs of it. Maybe I can share with you some pictures. Yeah. Uh, so I had this Portuguese woman that shared with me a very big uh, design on the leg that I created on her using henna. And then back home, she loved it so much until that she just decided to make it a permanent tattoo and then share it with me in the Valentine's Day, which I said to her, this is my best present uh, <laughs> in this day because this makes me feel very special. Wow. That's really, really amazing. That's really heartwarming. It's like seeing your baby grow, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about you. I've known you for about maybe two years, and you're one of the first guests that we wanted to have on the podcast. I'm glad that it happened today. I'm very fortunate and I'm very grateful. But also, I know you're a very smart businesswoman. And a lot of people, when we talk about Morocco, one of the biggest surprises to them is the strength of Moroccan women when they visit our country. Especially when you go to the cities and you see the women involvement in all sectors. Morocco is known for its strength of its women. A lot of people don't know that. You are a very strong woman. You are a very good businesswoman. And I do appreciate what you do for us as an entity. You're super talented. And I'm saying this because I know you work and I have seen it and I have seen your creation. And it's fascinating. It's very different. And I love it. You know, as a business, this is what we do. We do business with people that are like us. We're not a big company. We're not going to grow big. We're going to stay where we are. You know, this is also what Daniel recommended and also Pablo in their episodes. I want to tell the listeners, one of the things that we do when we have a guest, when, especially when we go to Agafai Desert and we do a mini Moroccan wedding. And I love it personally because it puts the guest on a spot. It makes them feel things they normally would not feel it's the whole experience the dress the makeup just like you did with sierra she loved it rachel loved it the tattoos that you know in her hands and the hannah was just it was amazing we we had an app she made me laugh so hard it's it's unbelievable so when you have guests i know they're well well taken care of and i really appreciate you always going above and beyond also i was talking about the businesses that we support you're a single mom you support your family, you support your child. And we do the same thing with many of the freelancers that we work with. You know, we work with Khalil. He's in Casablanca. He does our tours for the mosque. He's blind, but his eyes are his brother. So when you pay your fees to hire him, you're supporting two families. So what is next for you as a business, Siham? And how do you see yourself in terms of evolving, in terms of your future? When it comes to Hanna tattoo, besides improving, I want to make it a little bit bigger. So I'm really like a dreaming now about a Hanna store, cafe, shop. You can call it however you want, but it could also be like a small school 
for henna because there is no schools where you can learn the mm, art of Moroccan really henna yeah. in Morocco. In all Morocco, you cannot find. Oh, wow. So this is the idea, this is the project in my mind to create the first place that could be a kind of a school where people can learn the art of Moroccan henna, including Moroccans. Because let's say also about Moroccan girls, if they would like to do it, they would also have to spend a lot of time trying by themselves and practicing home, right? Yeah, yeah. It took like years from my life to figure it out, just the best consistency of henna, right? So this is one of my first goals is to create something like that. And definitely, maybe very soon, also an association that uh, can help tourists to ch choose and pick a good places and good henna artists, not at the square, because this is making me oh, crazy. Yes, that's yeah, th yeah. that's true, definitely yeah, true. Yeah. So besides henna, the same question, but instead of henna, what else that you're thinking of besides henna? I know you do other activities. You know, I spoke about the mini Moroccan weddings, and I would absolutely recommend them to anybody. I love that experience. You know, I love meeting people and introducing them to my local culture, including, of course, henna. But away from henna, I love traveling and having fun with people. So I'm definitely programming and preparing myself to be a tour leader maybe very soon. I'm not doing that to earn because I can earn enough from other stuff. But this is something that I love and I feel I can give. And I'm already giving. I'm already doing that. So I'm feeling like this is going to be a very important step in my life. And I'm feeling also that we are missing good guides, especially female. So I'm ready to be. <laughs> I totally agree. You have our support, you know. So whatever you do, we're behind you. Oh, thank you so much. It's going to be a pleasure for me to work for a destination of Morocco, definitely. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> As a tour guide beside the henna artist. <laughs> Like I'm tattooing your hand at the same time I'm showing you Casablanca. Are you you're gonna have a tour guide that can tattoo you? So yeah, whatever. Yeah. Even in the car, you can get your henna, your henna tattoo done. Yeah, that that's incredible. So yeah, the episode has been fun. Before we finish the episode, to the audience, something they need to know, they need to be aware of, and so forth. I think that we missed to talk about the nature color or henna color we talked yes. about henna a lot of people think that the henna that we get the paste we keep on our hands no the paste we get on our hands so we're gonna keep for only a few minutes until our skin absorb the color in it we remove and then the natural color of henna is orange so the first color we're gonna get is light orange that turns to brownie color in one to two other days okay so the brown color is going to be dependent on the henna quality of your skin type as well okay as you see here i have like a bit darker color so my henna is getting super brown but for some other people especially if they're yes. having like a soft skin it's gonna be less dark than mine i'm just looking at your henna i, I want to make a guess is the henna three days old yeah this is three days yes three days okay i still got it so yeah. okay <laughs> yeah because i could tell yeah. you know the color yeah then after that it starts to fade yeah this starts to fade yeah so it starts light, getting darker, and then again, less, less dark. Wow. Important thing is how to take care of your henna, whatever you had it. You avoid to wash and especially scrub so much on your hands while washing it. Uh, use so much soap. This all we're going to take it or remove it away very fast. So you avoid doing that. Of course, it, immediately when you just remove your henna paste, 
don't wash it immediately with water and this is a big mistake a lot of people do so we in morocco mostly do the henna in the evening time and then remove it sleep with no washing it oh i see okay so overnight we don't wash with water to get the best color and then the last advice, it's please, please, please don't do henna in the square. It's not the best place. <laughs> it's not the best place. It's not the best place for an artist to be and to get yeah. your first henna experience. Yeah. Really good advice. So uh, this is the end of our episode with Siham Isahiri. It's been fun. Uh, Siham, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was really a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Destination Morocco podcast. Our dedicated show website, destinationmoroccopodcast.com, is where you can find all of our episodes, leave a review, find our social media links, and even register as a guest. If you have been to Morocco yourself and would love to share a story, advice, or recommendations, you're welcome to participate in our podcast. Whether it's a five-minute story or a full conversation, we will guide you through the steps so that you can share your experience with our listeners. We will be back soon enough with a new episode for you as we continue our exploration of the beautiful country of Morocco. See you then! You have traveled the world, but Morocco's allure beckons you. Destination Morocco is here to create the perfect once-in-a-lifetime Moroccan journey, tailored exclusively to your desires. Let us craft an itinerary that unlocks the secrets of this mesmerizing land just for you. For a luxurious, bespoke Moroccan adventure of a lifetime, visit destinationsmorocco.com. That's destinations with an S, morocco.com. And let us turn your dreams into reality. Your amazing Moroccan experience awaits.